If you have something to say, I'd like to hear it. I want a divorce. Are you asking me for a divorce? Divorce? I will divorce you so fast, it'll make your head spin. I want a divorce. I want a divorce. I want a divorce. I want a divorce. You want a divorce? This is Dallas Divorce Talk with Don Butner and Carla Calabrese. Don and Carla guide you deep inside the world of divorce through all the ins and outs, ups and downs, and any unexpected turns. Now, your hosts to have and to hear, Don Budner and Carla Calabrese. Welcome. This is Don Budner. I'm here today with Carla Calabrese. This is Dallas Divorce Talk on On Air Live. And we are happy to be here today to advise you of the top 10 worst mistakes to make in a divorce. And we have seen many of these things. We have all different uh, flavors on each of them, but thought we'd throw them out there so we can at least start the dialogue uh, for you folks who may be in a divorce or considering a divorce. Um, Carla, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Good. Uh, it's spring in Dallas. Yeah. We're happy for the few. It's green. It's green. Oh, it's so pretty. Before the brown. <laughs> so we have to soak it in. Yes. Um, and I personally am not considering a divorce right now. Uh, my husband is behaving generally well and traveling. So well, so you're safe. Yes. So it's a good week for the Budner family, I have to say. Um, but for those of you who may be in a different spot, we're going to start in no particular order, by the way. But the first mistake and I think that Carla agrees with this, but she'll tell you herself, is you do not want to act, make your first move in connection with divorce in the heat of passion and out of aggression. Would you agree with that? I would agree completely. I think that's definitely a way to get yourself either to the wrong lawyer or choose the wrong process. And um, because you can't think, your reptilian brain is completely... um, on fire and you're just not able to, when you're in the heat of passion, make good decisions. So I think we see people that come in, I mean, I've seen this many times while they're coming to the office and they're just fuming, 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 fuming. And what's interesting about that, sometimes they will act on it and sometimes you know, you won't hear from them again because I think they really did calm down. Right. Yeah, but um, if they get into the wrong lawyer's office or they make the wrong decision on like a process, if they, you know, go blazing guns ahead, they oftentimes they're just they're just not thinking clearly enough to make good divorce decisions. So that's that's one thing I think you're right. Definitely don't want to do. And a lot of times, apart from from choosing a lawyer that maybe appeals to that emotional aggressive you know, way of thinking is that sometimes people will sort of come out guns blazing, right? Right. In terms of what they file, you know, serve them at work in front of their boss. Right, um, right, right. File a motion for restraining order to saying they're a danger to their children when they're not. Right, right. And that sort of thing. And why is that a bad idea? Well, um, you know, I think anytime that you are... Um, going down the path of anger and making allegations that are not really you can't you can't substantiate. Obviously, that's going to just 
potentially really heck off the other side and create just this World War III, when in reality, you know, honestly, the courthouse, I don't think, the, you know, the judges don't, not that they don't care. I think they've, that's seen, a, they've seen it all. Yeah, You're not they've gonna seen shock it them. all. You're not going to shock them. There's 55,000 stories worse than yours. And, you know, it's not really the MO to get you what you want at the end of the day. So a lot of times when clients will come in, they ask, does it matter who files first? I want to get out there and get the advantage. And does that matter? And what I want to say is, well, kind of, because... I personally do like to have filed first just because I think you get to go first in court sometimes when there are hearings and things if you're sort of the first one out there. And I prefer that because mm -hmm. the court has such short attention span mm -hmm. and gives you so little time that speaking first, I think, is, is better. But I also don't think that in the scheme of things, it really matters. It's not going to, you know, cause you to win or lose or look like you're the bad guy because you did file or, you know, you're reticent because you weren't first to file. Right. The other, the other problem with first to file, and I think this can be one of the mistakes that people make, is that, you know, it there's nothing worse than having, uh, you know, a, a filing, a divorce filing um, at the courthouse and the other side doesn't know it. If you go to your spouse and say, hey, things are not working out. I really just don't think we can continue to do this. We've done this therapy. We've done that therapy. We've done Imago. We've done this and that. And we just can't make it work. I think we need to go down that road. But, you know, you don't have a petition on file. There's something about a petition on file that I think makes people feel like complete betrayal. Yes. E you know, it could be the worst marriage under the face, you know, in the face, under the, you know, in the world. And yet a divorce petition is like it you just something. stabbed them in the back. Right. So, you know, that, that you know, there may be reasons that you need to file and you need to get a TRO and you need to do that because somebody's, you know, um, there's harm to the kids or there's somebody who's blatantly taking money and diverting it or things of that nature. But in most 99% or nine, some huge percentage of the cases, it just creates more problems than it's worth. And in fact, when we do collaborative work, which our firm does a lot of, as you know, Don. Um, Why, yes, I do. Yeah, that um, in a collaborative case, you never nobody files. Right. They make a decision together at the first joint meeting to decide how they'll file. Will they file? Will the person who wants the divorce file? Will the other person who um, or you do doesn't joint, want joint the divorce petition, right? agree to a joint petition? Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's just there's just so much more dignity in that. And I think that's something that people don't think of. I think they, the first thing that people think of when they think about divorce is just how do we get aggressive and how do we go down a path that we think leads to an outcome we want. But 95% of the time, in my experience, they, the outcome was 100% different than what they really wanted. At least so much yeah. of it is associated with fear and feelings of insecurity and worry about your own future. And for some reason, that human instinct is, right. you know, they say fight or flight. Well, it's, they're That's fighting. what it is, yeah. And, and it's all normal stuff. I mean, fear is completely understandable on everybody's part. But, but the aggressive process, the aggressive approach doesn't really do anything to alleviate that fear. No. I mean, you're, like you said earlier, you're marshalling your spouse and your spouse's attorney to defend 
against right, right. this big war and or to, you know, bring their own yeah. ammunition, I guess, to bear. <clears throat> Not to mention the cost associated with that. Right. So oftentimes, as they say, the lawyers win. I think that's true. I think that's so true. Well, it is. And these big courtroom battles, that, right. that's the only person who wins that, is, yeah, is the, the lawyer. Right, because they get the dough, you know. Yep. And so we're t- you were mentioning a little bit when folks are feeling aggressive, and I know I've talked to many people who say that they were afraid, and for whatever reason, they went to hire the attorney that they thought was going to be the you know fiercest shark in the courtroom, right? right. And you know, I think that is a a myth in a lot of ways that that they are actually going to at the end of the day serve your interests, right? Um, but the second mistake, aside from just acting out of out of fear, aggression, passion, the second mistake is not listening to all of the risks associated with any given choice. And I choose because I am a very uh, intelligent and um, skilled listener to listen to Kevin's waving finger telling me (laughs) that we don't have time to talk about this until after the break. So hold your seats. We'll be back shortly to talk about mistake number two. Don't split. More of Dallas Divorce Talk coming up next. mistakes to make during divorce and mistake number two is not listening to the risks associated with any given choice and this one kind of really spoke to me because I've had a few cases lately where those things have come to pass and so I think sometimes when you're listening to the attorney and discussing strategy alternatives you know, a lot of times I know I have my view of what I think should happen and what I think the court should do. But a lot of times the courts aren't really taking the time to listen to the evidence fully. And as we all know and say repeatedly, there's no telling what's going to happen in court. You can't be sure of anything. So I guess to me, this means as the client, I think you should really be proactive and push the attorney at every decision point. Tell me what it, what are the downsides so that yeah. you really do give some thought to what if that happens. Yeah. Um, and for example, um, I, I just had a case where we went in and obtained a TRO. A father was absolutely neglecting the child and he had her care most of the time. And so we, we got the TRO and the child was in the mother's care. Uh, so, meaning it, it was an emergency. So it was an they emergency. Went and, and she was able to take the child with the emergency TRO from the father without right. having to have the, the full hearing. The full hearing yet. And what ended up happening thereafter is, you know, the court saw why we were concerned, but the court was very, you know, the judge was very honest with us in saying, 
school's almost over. So I have to weigh and balance, you know, ripping this child out of school when the school year is almost over against, you know, can we put some safeguards in place to let her finish the school year? And then let's do a custody evaluation and see where, where the child should really be. And frankly, I thought that was not a, you know, an incorrect way of thinking. So that's what happened. But also as a byproduct, uh, the mother is going to be paying child support now, whereas before she wasn't. Yeah. So that was a risk. It was a risk. And we did tell her that she wasn't shocked, but so that's happened. Right. And, that's just something I but don't know. She I, I feel but like she people, wasn't happy either about it, right? Because no, she's yeah, not. But yeah. we're still very bullish that we're going to end up getting right, getting right. the result we want. Right, right. Um, but that was that's just one of those little things. I think pe- we're so conditioned to hear what we want to hear right. sometimes. Yeah, that's the lesson and, I think. Right, yeah. mm-hmm. and so just make sure that you are you are forcing yourself to ask those questions and really listen to the other side of the equation. Right, right. And again, better done when you are in a better emotional place, which leads to number three, three. which is don't stop seeing your therapist during your divorce or not have a therapist during your divorce, right? Why is that so important? Well, I mean, just like we were talking about, I mean, the reptilian brain and, you know, the um, Say, the the reptilian brain means, and we've said this in other other, uh, sessions that we've done, but when you are under a major life stressor like divorce, which is one of the, the worst things a person can go through, much of the time you're operating out of that fight or flight. Right. Right? You're not mm-hmm. in that complex thinking right. part right. of your brain. Exactly, exactly. So when you are, um, when you don't have some, I mean, you, you may have your girlfriends or your guy friends or whatever, but, you know, they're not trained therapists to help you really stay calm, to give you all the tools you need so that you don't go to that place of fight or flight every time you're making a decision, which just, because the problem is, is when you don't have that kind of support, then, you know, whatever you're feeling, which is normal in a divorce, loneliness, fear, uh, trepidation, all of, you know, all of that stuff is just magnified. So the, the you know, if you don't have anybody to really help you through it. So we, it is is rare that I'm comfortable with having a client going through a divorce that I don't understand is seeing somebody regularly. And I'll tell you this too, I'm learning in my old age is that, you know, when life plops a really nasty issue in your lap, like a divorce, you are so much better served by at least accepting that there is an opportunity here for you to grow as a person. Right. I mean, these are the moments in our lives that probably make us the coolest people at the end of the day is yeah. when we have the most suffering. So take advantage of using it as an opportunity to understand how you got here in the first place. Even if even if you're quite sure that your spouse is the one responsible for 99% of the problems, you're with that spouse. Right. So why is that? Right. And you don't want to repeat those right. mistakes. Right. Right. And I, I mean, I think when you're in the thick of it, I know it's hard. Um, I've tried to use that little... Word, uh, word of wisdom on a client recently and she just looked at me like are you kidding me really which word of wisdom you know like this is a growing opportunity you know? <laughs> and so <clears throat> a growth opportunity and she got it she's like I'll grow later I know you know because she was just in the throes of it so but I think at the end of the day um, the point here is is that if you have good therapeutic help throughout the process, you will have a much better chance of getting to a place um, of, you know, a better place. Well, and you're, you may not feel it. You may not, you know, express gratitude throughout the entire process no, for hell, all hell the no, pain no. that's allowing you to grow. No, right. 
But if you have someone skilled, like you said, right. then at the end right. of the day, you may look right. back and be yeah. and you And again, you have somebody there that can help you. A, you can bounce ideas off of that will help you make better decisions that will probably, I mean, especially if you get a seasoned therapist, because seasoned therapists have seen a jillion divorces and they've seen a jillion clients go through divorces. So, and a lot of them are connected with, I mean, they know the good lawyers, you know, they kind of know the wheat from the chip. They know. And so, you know, that's another way to kind of get yourself to the right place. That's And we, you know. we have a lot of mental health professional friends through our collaborative work. Right. So we, yeah. you know, we know folks who also understand the divorce process really well. Right, right. right. Um, okay. So I'm looking on my little list here of things that are not a good idea during divorce. Hiding assets and information <laughs> is not a good idea. Do you agree or disagree? Come I on. agree. I agree. What completely. if you hide them super well, like in the Cayman Islands? <laughs> well, um, let me say this. There are, in Texas, we have recent, I don't even know how long it's been, but it's been a little while. And in collaborative, it's 100% of the time because you sign a contract with your spouse that says if there is any intentional um, hiding or fraudulent non-disclosure of an asset, like a big fan, fat bank account in the Cayman Islands, if you're in a collaborative case and you do that, then your um, your spouse basically has a you have a contractual agreement with your spouse that if that's located at any point, it goes 100% to your spouse. We're even seeing that same provision in litigation cases. So at this point, it's you know you got to be really um, high stakes gambling. Yeah, you got to be really. Um, that's a big mistake, I think, to to hide that stuff. And I think that you know that's the stuff that I think people. I hear this all the time. Oh, what if he has an account in the Caymans? What if he has an account in the Caymans? That's less likely to be the case. And we see little things that happen throughout a divorce. Like I had a case once where we were at the very end of the case and the client just felt in his mind that it took about a year and a half to get them divorced, um, that the last bonus that he was getting was his. I mean, he really thought it was his when in fact it was community property. Because so it was earned during the marriage. Right. So we're sitting at the closing table and he kind of chokes this out. And I look at him and I'm like, uh, we got to tell the other side about that. And so that's more likely what you see, that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Or I had another case where in the beginning of the case, the husband, um, was he owned a bunch of restaurants in town and he was getting ready to start a restaurant, but it was just seed money. It was just he had a lease that he was getting ready to sign. And he was like, well, that doesn't, you know, I'm going to, we don't need to tell her that. Well, you do need to tell her that. The likelihood is you're going to get that. It's not going to be a big deal. Right. But those are the kinds of things that I think we see, you know, people uh, do. Doing that they just you know they just don't think that they have you're to not well served by that they have I, to disclose I worry more just you know trying to help the client and rack the client's brains to make sure that we don't forget to list right. every single little thing because right if, if it's listed there and you've disclosed it then you don't have a problem later right exactly you know but mm -hmm. it's not smart and, and a lot of these go back to I was Carla and I were talking about these mistakes and a lot of them go back to kind of your worldview and kind of what what kind of person you want to be and where is your conscience in all these things and you know we're going to talk about that a little bit more after the break so stay tuned we'll see you in a moment more of dallas divorce talk coming up at first i was afraid i was petrified i kept thinking i could never live without you 
you through thick and thin. You're listening to Dallas Divorce Talk. My heart is a blue. And we're back. This is Dallas Divorce Talk with Dawn Budner and Carla Calabrese on On Air Live. We are talking today about some very bad mistakes that can be made in the context of a divorce. So Carla, we were just discussing amongst ourselves the things that people do on social media in the context before and during a divorce that do not turn out to be a good plan. <laughs> well, like trashing your spouse on social media, on Facebook, or um, how about I actually, not personally in our office, but I actually read some stuff recently about um, a guy who ended a six-year marriage on Facebook. Oh, That's wow. how she found out. Isn't that lovely? Wow. Yeah. I th- how, how do you think the judge would, you know, he would That's think charming. That, yeah. Wouldn't, that, wouldn't he or she think that that was a charming move? So anyway, but the trashing, I think, is really a problem. Um, You know, first and foremost, what people don't understand is that once a divorce is filed, and I'm not even sure if it's an anticipation of litigation, it might be, but certainly once it's filed, there there are laws in the state of Texas that say you cannot remove or delete, or try to, to you know right. undo or unfriend or all that stuff. You can't do that because that's evidence, and people, you, it's called just, spoilation. Spoilation. Right. You can't spoil the evidence. Well, and so so Carla's talking about there are standing orders in every court that basically say you cannot destroy documents or any kind of information once the case has been filed. Um, but you know, it's funny because. I, I think that a lot of us don't stop and think about what we're posting and how it might come back to bite us. Right. Um, so there are people who go and rant about their, you know, soon to be ex on social media, and that is captured forever and will be used against you. And in particular, you know, I had a client who's um, got a business and is very well known in Dallas, and his soon to be ex went online and started trashing him and his business, mm. which wasn't very smart because she had no income. <laughs> and he's, he was providing for her and their child at the time, but, um, you know, she couldn't see that. Right. And it happened so much. I mean, you've got, you know, a spouse who's a professional who maybe has an addiction issue. Right. And you could ruin their career right. by making that public information, but... People just People don't, do it. Don't, yeah, see don't see it. the yeah. big picture at that point. So that is not good. And if you do, I mean, you may be held responsible for damaging the business and that sort of thing. Yeah, damaging the reputation. Right. Um, and and not, of, just, not just social media, too, right? right? I mean, uh, social media is one thing. It's right out there. It's obvious, one would think, that you shouldn't be, you know, um, damage. I mean, saying horrible things about your spouse on social media. But... You know, there are also just innocent things that people do. You know, I had a client who went to a wedding and shared some information about her spouse who, you know, who ended up, um, you know, it, the information got back to his boss because the boss was at the wedding. And, you know, and so those kinds of things happen too. You have to be very careful about right. what you're saying and who you're saying it to. I think that's right. And, you know, and causing a scene. I mean, it's just, it's incredible. You just have to be so careful about your behavior in this context because, Something that you, if you and your friends who were there could tell the story, you feel like you were so justified in your behavior, but it's not always possible to recreate history correctly in front of the court. Right. You know, circumstances at the time that these facts are coming out 
may just be beyond your control and yeah. it just gets all skewed. Right. So you really want to be walking the straight and narrow. And in that connection, even your communications, if you've got children is when this is most important, but your communications with your spouse about your children, you for one thing, don't want to write emails in which you come across as rude. It may be that your spouse is a complete but is very good at writing emails that seem reasonable and calm, and it just drives you nuts. Mm -hmm. So you, all caps, you know, back. <laughs> and that's what's in the courtroom. And the yeah. judge is sitting here thinking, how is this kind, appropriate gentleman supposed to deal with this out-of-control woman with the all-caps. <laughs> so, you know, it's crazy to suggest yeah. you need to be thinking like you're going to be in court, but guess what? You do. Yeah, Because definitely. you may, and even if you don't end up in court, that's out there. It's, and used, that's, to get, it's used as leverage it's against you. It's used as leverage yeah. against yeah. you. Yeah, that's very so true. careful if you're in a divorce what you're texting and emailing. Texting. Oh, my God. Just we, we see things that are just, I think we may have said this before on one of our shows, but we see incredibly... I'm just going to say stupid things that are being said that from the perspective of how that could haunt you at the courthouse and make you look really horrible. Look, it's, it's some, some texting look makes people look mentally unbalanced or emotionally Hello, unbalanced. Donald Trump. <laughs> emotionally unbalanced. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and I, I think that that is something like Don just said. I mean, if, a, you know, the, you get in a temporary order hearing in some counties, you get 20 minutes to put on your whole case. You've been married 25 years. God knows how complicated those 25 years were, and you get 20 minutes. It's it's really not. And then in the 20 minutes, what happens of all the 25 years and all the things that have happened to you, and maybe you were the more uh, of the two emotionally stable person, but you've got those four emails or those four texts. And that's all it takes. And that's all it, it takes. You won two emails is all it takes. Yeah, two emails, and that's it. I mean, these judges take those emails seriously. I mean, those texts seriously. They are reading them. They are, they are making conclusions about you. Some do. Some understand that there's more to the picture and that they can't really have the full big picture in 20 minutes. But I promise you there are some, and it is yeah. not pretty when yeah. you go in front of them. And they are willing to make a judgment, and they're willing to let it last for the whole case based yeah. on something that small. Yeah. Um, Happens and, all the time. And one more thing on the list, actually, that is a natural segue is do not violate court orders. No, oh, yeah. You know, those those standing orders are long, they're cumbersome. Read them and do not violate them. And any other order of the court, you need to understand that the judges take this so personally and not again everyone is the same, but there are some judges who if they think you did not respect their court order, oh yeah. they will make you suffer and you yeah. do not want to be in that spot at all. Um So how are we doing, Kevin? You know, it, it, this half hour has gone by incredibly fast. Uh, you may, it may be shocked to know that you only have about 30 seconds left. <gasps> oh, That's my. so wrong because I said that it was the, the top 10. I we didn't know. do 10, Carla. We did four if we were lucky. I feel like we haven't kept our promise. you got to well, tease it and carry it over for the next show. All right. All right. That's what then we'll do. Don't forget about it. The rest of the really dumb things that you <laughs> might want to do but shouldn't in divorce coming soon at a theater near you. <laughs> Don't forget to go to onairlive.com, Facebook. What else do we have? Uh, yeah, it's uh, watchonairlive.com. It's a little bit confusing. But yeah, any social media, we have a Twitter, Instagram, all set up. Um, I already and, forgot the Twitter. And, and Twitter ask us questions, you guys. Go on our Facebook <laughs> yeah. page. We'll yeah. answer them. And www.calibreshuff.com. Have a great day. 